This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bama Online Podcast. I'm Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, part of the 247sports.com network. We got a special treat for you on this edition of the Bama Online Podcast. How about a little look into Last Chance You? The fifth season recently dropped there on Netflix. You know it. You love it. You're locked in whenever Last Chance U drops, and I know I just did the same thing here in the last week or so, binge-watched that whole fifth installment of some just great television. And joining us today on the podcast is a central figure in this year's uh, edition of Last Chance U, a wide receiver from Laney College out there in Oakland, California, and that's R.J. Stern. R.J., thanks for joining us here on the podcast, my man. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. I'm happy to be here. You know, we have some things in common, RJ. Now, I'm an okay boomer, all right? I'm an old dude. I'm an old cat. (laughs) So it's not so much that I played football once upon a time. And yes, we had regular helmets with face masks and everything else, even back in the 80s. But you are a JUCO product, as we know from Laney College, and I'm a very proud father of a JUCO product. My oldest daughter played junior college basketball at Shelton State Community College right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and proceeded to go from there to the University of Hawaii, where, as we're going to get into here with you, one of your teammates there at Laney College, a couple of your teammates, I guess, have moved on to the University of Hawaii football program, and uh, our daughter Savannah actually met Dior uh, here in the last few months out there in Honolulu. I don't know if you know Gene Pryor. Gene Pryor was an offensive tackle at the College of the Sequoias out there in the California Junior College League as well. He's now an offensive tackle at Hawaii, so we actually have a few things in common, RJ. How about that? Yeah, I know. That's small world, man. The JUCO, the JUCO, uh, you know, the JUCO world for athletes is actually, it's just very interconnected, man. You're going to meet someone who knows someone you played with or someone you know or played against. So that's really cool, man. The JUCO family is like really tight. That's awesome. And um, you're, you're correct. Uh, you know, my good friend, uh, Jared Smart, also plays at the University of Hawaii as well. So two teammates there. Even more reason to pull for all those guys out there. Well, definitely. Uh, at the University of Hawaii. Now, I know for you, it's likely been a whirlwind set of events here in the last week or so uh, since the latest season dropped featuring your team, uh, Laney College out there in the Bay Area. 
just kind of give us an idea of what it's been like maybe in this last week, all the different uh, opportunities, maybe all the different uh, media uh, opportunities you've had. Just, just kind of describe that for us. Yeah, of course, man. So I'll, I'll preface it with this. You know, before this show dropped, um, I only had three offers. They were all Division II. Um, and I was obviously I was ecstatic to have them, you know, just have, just be able to have an opportunity to play at the next level is a blessing in of itself. Um, so I want to start off by saying that, but then, you know, the show dropped and I kid you not, you know, I, I was, uh, I was, I was waiting for it to drop that Monday night that it dropped at midnight. Uh, and the moment it dropped, my phone exploded with <laughs> notifications and DM messages and just all kinds of crazy stuff. And, I had 1,300 followers or so on Instagram, and now I have, you know, like, I think like 17 and a half thousand. And that wow. night, I, yeah, so it's just been crazy. And the same thing happened on Twitter. But the really cool thing that's come from all of this stuff, and it's just, I just feel so blessed to be in this opportunity that I'm in, is all the Division One interest I've been gaining uh, from this show. I mean, I never would have thought that this would be happening to me because of this show. And, you know, I was just excited to be a part of this this docu-series because I wanted to tell my story. And even if I didn't get that opportunity, I thought it'd be cool that the team I was on, you know, the, the players that, and coaches that I, you know, that I'm with every day, they get to tell their story. So I was just ecstatic for that. So to be being hit. So to like, I'm talking to Cal right now about possibly walking on UNRs hit me up and they use for my transcripts, all these places, uh, university of Dayton in Ohio, they, they like me a lot. Tarleton, you know, just all these places, Division One schools, Division One AA, they've just been hitting me up, and it's just, it's just a blessing, man. You know, I, I never would have expected this kind of response from this show, and it's they they did beautifully with the show, man. You know, obviously there's some things in there that maybe I wish made it in there or wish uh, had more context to it, but all in all, man, it's just been a, it's just been positive vibes, man, and I just I couldn't be happier with what's happened. You mentioned NAU. I guess you're referring to Northern Arizona University there in Flagstaff. Yes, sir. Look, you talk about this small world. You tell Chris Ball, the head coach at NAU, Travis Ryer said you're a take. I got to know Chris Ball. Actually, Chris Ball at one point, and this is football, and also junior college plays into it as well. Chris Ball about 15 years ago, before Nick Saban took over at Alabama on Mike Shula's staff here in Tuscaloosa, Chris Ball was the secondary coach here at Alabama years okay. ago and got to know Coach Ball pretty well back then. You just tell him, you tell him Travis Ryer said you're a take, all right? We'll see if that helps you out. I hope it doesn't okay. hurt you. I hope it doesn't hurt you with Coach <laughs> Ball. But uh, I'd love well, I to see you with the coach Lumberjacks, man. Yeah, I'd love, he's a good I'd love dude. it too, man. I would love yeah. it too. Uh, now, good dude. The interest from NAU has, has only gone as far as they've asked for my transcripts, and yeah. it hasn't it got, hasn't gone much further than that. But like all the other schools, has gone very far. I've had multiple phone calls with Tarleton, uh, Cal, me and the wide receiver coach. We text pretty often. Um, that's actually that's actually where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to walk on over there. It's just a matter of can I get into school at this moment because um, you know it's kind of late in the process. So again, if but if I ever do talk to Coach Ball, you know, definitely gonna. I'll definitely let, tell him what you said, man, for sure. Yeah, if if he doesn't sound good about it, just forget I ever told you that. But no, <laughs> I mean Chris Ball's a good dude, and uh, it's been fun to watch is. him sort of climb that uh, that coaching ladder. Now, talk about we'll get into more of the the process you're in right now as far as recruiting goes uh, and looking to make that jump to a four year. But 
Was it sort of a natural progression for you? I, I guess you were a local guy there as a high school football player in the Bay Area. Was it was it a connect the dot sort of move? Did it just make sense that you go on to Laney uh, for a couple of years, or was there was there something more to the process than that? You know what, man? Um, truthfully, so when I graduated high school, you know, I was I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to play college ball. I didn't have any money had no interest from not even JUCOs. You know, Laney didn't recruit me. Laney didn't know who I was. Uh, I almost I almost wound up joining the military at one point, and um, I almost went pretty far with it. Then, you know, one day just I felt this voice speaking in my head going, you know, man, you don't want this. You're, you're trying to live through other people. You're trying to do what other people think you should do. So I just made the decision to go play ball, and I've been happy, and it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Um, so – I wound up at Laney College uh, in 2017. My my best friend at the time, Richie, he was going to go play baseball there. And then he wound up going to Sierra. And he didn't tell me. He, he told me like the week I had already enrolled in school. And I was like, well, all right, that's cool. You know, Laney's a good deal. They they got a good program. They've got a, an, a you know a great head coach there. Um, and I just kept my head down. I worked my ass off, pardon my language, worked my butt off. And um you know, it, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a natural thing. It did make sense for where I live because, you know, I live in Berkeley. I'm a bar right away from from the campus. But um, I never I didn't really come to that. So I guess I guess you could say it was natural, man. But um, I never would have thought I wound up playing Atlantic College in Oakland for sure. But I'm happy I did. You know all about sort of the stigma of going the JC route. I mean, all if we're well. being honest about it. People view it as sort of the land of broken toys, right? You're either not big enough, you're not fast enough, you're not academically qualified. Uh, a lot of different things can come into play. It's incredible the sort of melting pot that junior college athletics is because you get so many different folks with so many different types of paths that have, have gotten to that point. But the common denominator that I've always picked up from JC kids is that they have a level of dog in them that most kids don't have. If you're going that path, it seems like, uh, RJ, it, 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 passion, uh, tenacity, uh, the thirst to you know reach another level, that, that doesn't seem to be a problem for a lot of those folks. And if it is, it seems like they go by the wayside pretty quickly, I guess. Yeah, you're you hit it right on the head, man. Um, Juco is not for the lighthearted. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, most definitely. It's like it's one of the toughest things you could do as an athlete because you're going to a place where it's essentially a, you know, a black hole. You don't know what's going to come out of it. Right. And so you're there. You don't know where you're going to be a year from now or two years or in my case, you know, three years from now. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how life's going to change. But, yeah, you show up every day. You grind at practice, you lift weights, you, you go to you go to class, you get good grades, and you play well. And that not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the mindset to where they can just succeed. They're they're gonna succeed no matter what. Some people just give up because life's too hard. So yeah, I agree with you. Juco guys have that dog in them, you know, like we just we are we are different from other people. We are very different from even division one college football players. In my opinion, I think I think the fact that we had to go through what we went through to get to where we are sets us sets us apart in a big way, makes us hungrier. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I gave this I gave this advice to our daughter 
when she was coming out of high school, I said, look, you know, go JC and wait out the washouts. That's a big part of it because kids go D one right out of high school. They get to that level. They feel like they've reached the pinnacle, right? Of their athletic careers, just in signing with those four year schools or those D one schools right out of high school. And then they sort of stop doing what it took to get them just to that point. And you got to keep going and you know, those kids wash out and that's where, People like yourself on the junior college level, that's where you're looking to backfill, man. You're ready to take that spot on a moment's notice. And it's especially tough out there in California, man. I don't know if people realize this, but no scholarships, right? I mean, no everybody's paying their own way. Yeah, man. No scholarships, no dorms, no meal plan. Um, really, yeah, literally, you're, you're on your own. So if you're – and if you're an out-of-state kid, you're, you're particularly, you know, in a pickle because – your tuition is going to be higher and your, your units are going to be more expensive. And, you know, housing in California is already absurdly expensive. And so it's, it, it is hard. And so like, I, I got a teammate of mine, his name's Quante Morris. He was our tight end fullback. He's a, he's like a hybrid for us. He, he could literally do it at all. You know, he's a baller. You know, I hope he hears this because he's, 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 he's real, man. He's a good, he's a good dude. He's a really good football player, but he, he came from Nevada. Right. And so, I believe like he had to take, I don't want to put his personal business out there, but he had to take a loan. He had to do a bunch of stuff, but he made it happen. And, you know, not everybody would be willing to do that. I know another guy. um, I know actually a ton of guys who same situation, but they left because they didn't want to, they didn't want to take that risk. They didn't want to invest in themselves. They didn't want to believe in themselves. And um, so, yeah, man, it's just going back to that. It's tougher. And like, you got to have a different kind of mindset to be successful at the junior college level, particularly in California. Um, it's, uh, it's different. It's different for sure. It's, you know, on the show, I, I, I know that, uh, it, it really gets into some of your personal life and, you know, you're living with family. I believe it's your aunt there in Berkeley, California. Um, I've been to Berkeley. I've been to Oakland. Uh, I've been to that Bay area a couple of three times. So for you personally, what was the daily commute like just from Berkeley to Laney. I, I guess it wasn't all that difficult, but I know for you know a good portion of the, the show, at least you didn't have your own form of personal transportation, I guess. Yeah, I didn't, man. So, so actually up until the point where I got my car, um, I got up every morning, depending on what time I had class, I'd get up every morning at around six or seven and I'd shower, drink coffee. I'd, um, you know, eat breakfast if I could, if I had any food, you know, there. And, um, and, uh, it was, uh, then I would walk to the BART station, which was about a mile or so of walking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I'd hop on a BART train and that's about the BART. The, once you get to BART, it's super easy, right? I don't know if you took BART while you were out there in the Bay area. I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff on BART. Um, but yeah, it, it all around, it would take me about an hour and a half or so to get to school every day. And, but it was just, and then I would, I would do that twice a day. So round trip, it's about, a th- it's like anywhere from two to three hours, depending on like delays and stuff. But I did a lot of walking every day. Um, and you know, it just meant that much to me. Like I, I didn't care if I had to walk everywhere, you know? Um, so I'm grateful for it, man. It, it adds perspective on life. Cause now that I've got this car, I just, I just appreciate it more. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and very fortunate to have uh, the support you did have, uh, and, and I know that's depicted uh, on the program as well. Now, in terms of Laney being selected for the show, were there some indications that it was going to go down? Uh, when did you first sort of become aware of it being a, a real possibility that Laney, in fact, would be the team for season five of Last Chance U? So buzz started happening around March. We heard that, you know, that's when the news broke, N- not officially, but, you know, basically officially that uh, they were going to be moving on from independence. And we were like, oh, so, and that they were going to be focusing on a junior college in California. And immediately, you know, every junior college in California was like, yeah, come see us. Right. And so, but around April, I, I walk, I walked there, walk into the meeting room and coach beams like we got some special guests today they're gonna have cameras on you you know just do what you got to do don't don't think nothing of it they're just doing their thing like he just kind of brushed it off it wasn't a big deal to him i was like okay then i realized you know i'm looking at like some of their equipment and i was just like wait a minute is this last chance you and they were like yeah yeah and they were like i was like oh okay and um you know, they filmed us. It was basically like a test run for them. They were going all over California doing test footage for different schools. And clearly they liked Laney. But um, that was the first indicator I had. And then fast forward through summer ball and then to the week one of fall camp. I'm walking in there, going to the one, one o'clock meetings. And I see, tr- you know, these big black vans and people just everywhere and cameras. And I'm like, oh, my God. We- <laughs> oh, OK. And I was, it was exciting, man. You know, they were, they were in there. Dean was telling us we'd been selected to be on the show and it was, it was awesome, man. It was really exciting. And you know, at the time I had no idea that, um, I was going to be a part of it in the way that I was. And I'm, I'm just grateful to have been a part of it. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's, that's how, that's how we all came about figuring it out. That's, that's how it happened for us. So how did the process of identifying central figures and storylines come about between yourself and Dior and Nunu and guys that are really right in the middle of this thing throughout the season? Did you uh, did, did, did that happen pretty quickly for you or did, was that a process that took a little bit of time? I would say, well, for me, I think I might have been like one of the last people they talked to. Um Excuse me. Hold on. Uh, yeah. So I assume that they talked to coach beam in private, you know, they're like, who are, who are some guys who are, you know, like just making it happen against all odds on this team, you know, cause every team has that, has that kind of person, you know, at least one of them. And, you know, obviously Dior, you know, sleeping in his car and stuff. And that's, that's amazing, you know? So, but for me personally, you know, um, it was after a really good, we were scrimmaging and I had a really good day. I had a really good day. I had three catches. I had a pretty good kick return. Uh, we were scrimmaging ourselves. You know, we were, you know, ones versus ones. And I had a really good day. And then when they finally pulled me off to the sideline and said, you're done for the day, you know, you, you can chill out. You can, you can hang. You know, uh, Greg and Daniel, they walked over to me and they were just like, hey, man, like, what's your name? Like, who are you? You know, who's, who's this kid? You know, it's a white guy with a nose ring. Like, he's, he must be interesting. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we just started chopping it up. And they asked me, like, how do you get to school every day, man? Like, wh- what's your what's your what's your story? And so I, I gave them a little insight, you know, and they're like, hey, man, would you mind if we followed you home on BART? And I was like, yeah, of course, man, that's dope. Like, I'd love to do that. 
you know, and then it turned into them following me home on Bart to this interview to, and then that's just pretty much what kicked it off, you know? And so I'm not quite sure how that they identify it. I think, I think people are naturally just drawn to one another, you know, when, when certain things are meant to happen, they'll always find a way to come to fruition if, if, if that makes sense. And so I don't know what their creative process was like, but I think that regardless, I think it was, I think it was supposed to happen the way that it happened. When we come back with more of the Bama Online podcast with R.J. Stern, we'll get into that relationship with head coach John Beam. Very interesting, established pretty quickly in this season's edition of Last Chance U. And we're back with more of the Bama Online podcast. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BOL. Thrilled to be joined today by R.J. Stern, one of the central figures in this season's edition of Last Chance U, an outstanding wide receiver on the junior college level. And uh, as we get back into this, RJ, you touched on Coach Beam, obviously a legend out there in the Bay Area, both for his work on the high school level and most recently there at Laney College. And we find out pretty early uh, that Coach Beam's approach, I guess, is, is, is what you could say. And you know, for those of us that have been around coaches, and especially, I think, in my opinion, junior college coaches, because you can watch previous seasons, whether it was Independence, whether it was East Mississippi, um, you know, these these aren't uh, these aren't cobblers. These coaches no. on the junior college level, and even I can tell you from experience at Shelton State, Madonna Thompson is no nonsensical. It's her way or the highway. What did we see in the series as far as what seemed like a tumultuous relationship between yourself and Coach Beam? And maybe what was reality? Was there some editorial sort of uh, uh, privileges taken in, in that and in, in, in how that was portrayed in terms of your relationship with Coach Beam? You know, obviously it's a reality TV show. And so there's there's got to be drama. There's got to be. You know, there's got to be something. But on the contrary, they're actually I think they did a really good job of presenting our relationship the way that it was. Um, so me and Beam, I, I look up to Beam. I have a lot of respect for that guy. He's helped me become a better player for sure. You know, and he's he's taking care of me, whether or not, you know, he knows it or not. He's always had my back. And I know that much. Um, just not not maybe not as a football player all the time, but as a person. And that's what's most important. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. There was a time where I didn't know I didn't know that I was going to be able to be healthy enough to play ball again. He was like, "Look, man, you keep getting hurt. You know, I'm not going to let you on this team, but I want to pay for your school. I got St. Mary's College on the phone right now. They'll give you a track scholarship on my word." And you know, when he said that to me, I took it as a test, but it also showed me like how much that man cares about me and just people in general. So that's that's what I'll say about that uh, as far as like how I feel about him as a person. Our relationship was definitely tumultuous, as you say. We, my first year there, I kept my head down. I didn't really talk back. I didn't say nothing. I was still trying to process football, the game, and, and become a student of it. And, you know, he doesn't wait for you. He's, he's all gas, no brakes. And so there was a lot of, you know, cussing out and telling me to dye my hair anything but blonde and just not a lot of... <laughs> Yeah, he, he's a funny, not a lot of, not a lot of good stuff, but you know, I, I battled through it and, you know, he wound up starting me week five of my freshman year and, you know, I took, took over from there. Um, 
I would say this show definitely, there was just a lot of turmoil between me and him leading up to all this. It was my third year with him. And there were certain things that he didn't know about me, like my situation, like what I'd gone through that I think made him feel as though, you know, and I, I don't want to speak for him. I, I, I don't know what he may have thought about me before. He knew I had, you know, some problems with my dad, but he, he didn't know about anything else. And so he didn't think he thought I could handle it. And I could. But there were times where it was just like it never, football will never not be fun for me. But there were times where it was just like it, it didn't even seem like it was coaching at that point. It seemed like it was disrespectful. And so that's that's when, you know, I, I piped up and I was saying what I was saying. The only editorial thing I will say that they took a liberty with is a lot of the stuff I said, like out of frustration that you see kind of sprinkled throughout episodes, a lot of that happened within one week. It was a butte week and we had lost and I was frustrated over over losing that game. And so that's when a lot of those negative things that I said actually occurred. And um, they didn't show when, you know, the next day I practice, I walked up to Beam and I said, look, coach, I'm, I'm, I just want to apologize for you know, saying what I said to you, it has, you know, I'm not mad at you. You're not wrong. Like I'm frustrated with myself and it's coming out because I'm not producing right now. Like the way I know I can. And, you know, but they, they didn't bring, they didn't put that in there and you know, that's fine. Um, I'm fine with it. He's fine with it. Um, but me and him, me and him talk every week, at least twice a week. We're, we're cool. You know, we're, we're all good. And he's so, but I would say that's, that's all there is to that. Right. Well, you know, and look, you mentioned it, you touched on it. You had the injury, you redshirted, um, Correct. In what would have been your second year. Laney wins the national championship while you're redshirting. Um, that's a year of eligibility, whether it's JC or four year, that's a year of eligibility. You burned your red shirt now. So now you're a two for two guy that adds to the pressure of that for third sure. year at Laney. Um, because, uh, you've got to sell yourself even more so as someone that's going to be impactful stepping into that next situation because there's not that red shirt year available as a three for two. And, you know, early in the 2019 season, man, the quarterback situation, as we see on the, sh- on the show, it deteriorates very quickly because very of quickly. injuries. I mean, what's going through your mind at that point, knowing everything that you have on the line personally, trying to make that jump to the four year. And we can talk about winning and national championships and that's all good and important. But at the junior college level, I think first and foremost, you're thinking about, I got to get to that next stop. You know, whether, whether that's, you know, what people want to hear or not, that's the reality for guys in that spot, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right, man. Um, so really what was happening, what was going through my mind? Cause I, I like to win. I hate losing. It breaks my heart. I, I, I cannot stand it. And so the number one thing is for me is like, okay, Dior's at receiver or Dior's at quarterback. Now I got to help Dior out. I got to be that guy for him. If he throws the ball to me, I got to go make a play for Dior. You know, I got to make him look good. I got to make that guy look good. And, you know, just got to find ways to win football games. And that's, that's really all that's going through my mind. And that's my mentality because I believe that if you are doing things for your team and you're able to contribute to your team for that fat, for that, um, for that, um, reason, you're going to have good film. You're going to, you know, make a name for yourself. You're, You're going to put up numbers, right? Unfortunately, that wasn't really the case. Uh, for, for whatever reason, um, I didn't get a lot of 
you guys were basically in wildcat mode, weren't you? I mean, that's essentially with Dior at quarterback. I mean, you're playing a wide receiver at quarterback at that point. Yeah. Now he could, he don't get me wrong. He might not throw it that far, but he can make the throws. Like, I'm not kidding you. They should have thrown some, they should have shown some of his practice film. <clears throat> he was unbelievable. He, I remember he threw me a dig between like three people on a line and I caught it and it was, he would make throws like that all the time. And I don't know how much of that was on purpose, but Hey, he did it. And he did it a lot at practice. And so I had full confidence in the guy. Everyone in that locker room did, he, you know, cause he's, it's, it's Dior, it's Dior Walker Scott, right? He's, he's a baller. Okay. And so, but what frustrated me was the fact that, you know, I already felt as though and still feel that I was the best receiver overall. Like I, I could, I could do everything. And so to not be involved in the game plan as much to not be targeted deep, because that's what I ultimately am as a deep threat. Um, it just, it hurt a lot because I knew that I could contribute. And so like, you're right. Like what's going through my mind is like, man, like this is just plays that are just being wasted. And like, there's no, and I'm not getting any film. And you know, it was, it was scary, man. Like I was like, dude, like, I don't want to like slip away and have this be my, you know, my, my Juco, you know, my Juco career, the end of my football career is just me being a woulda, coulda, shoulda guy, not getting enough targets, you know, having all these excuses. Does that make sense? And so absolutely. It was scary. It was definitely scary. So like you said, winning is obviously the goal, but like at the same time, it's like, man, I need film. I need to get out of here. You know, like it's the reason I'm here. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think people who aren't familiar with, again, the route you took and in, in the junior college path, um, you know, there, there's, there's a multitude of things coming into play, especially in that sophomore season when the pressure really ramps up because the reality as is the case in high school for a lot of kids is that this very well might be the end of the road. You know, this could be yeah. for your athletic career and you're trying, you're in survival mode. You're in extension mode. You're just trying to keep this thing going uh, at that point. So it's, it's certainly understandable. Now you talk about the crew there uh, for last chance. You, what was the access like for those folks? Was it, pretty much anything goes or were there some defined parameters that kept the team and sort of its own sanctuary for the most part? How did that work? Dude, they had full access. Okay. They, <laughs> they got to film whatever they wanted. All right. I'm talking meetings, uh, you know, halftime speeches, all that stuff. They, if, if, if it was happening at Laney college or at one of mine or Ray's or Dior's or news houses, it was getting filmed everything. they, you know what I mean? It was, they wanted to get as much content as they could so that they could put together the best show that they could. And I think they did a tremendous job with that. So it was, it was full access for them, man. You know, they were, it was like a lion's den full of, you know, it's like a lion in a den with a bunch of meat. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's the best way I could describe it. It's just, they had, they had at it for sure. Do, does Laney, does Laney, Laney film practices, RJ? We do every single day, and we uh, we well. There's you some it. tape. There's you some tape against Ray. I mean, you went against Ray pretty much every day, and he's a D1 corner. Ended up at Oregon State. Maybe uh, maybe some of that tape. Yeah, I you know I I went back to look through it just the other day uh, to like go get some of those clips because I had them on my on my old phone, but it broke, right? And so I went back through to go get that stuff, and they deleted like half oh, that no. library, and it's oh, like. Well. It's, it's unevenly edited, but like, if you, if you talk to Ray, like Ray will tell, like I was on a Ray's Instagram live the other day and he was, he was on there with Dior, him and Dior were talking. They noticed I joined and I was watching 
and someone asked uh someone asked ray like who would you rather guard dior or rj and ray just flat out said dior rj just does way too much different stuff he's just slippery you know he's too quick and don't get me wrong it's not like i was bullying ray or anything ray ray got me plenty of times you know obviously he's one of the best corners in the country right now he's he is that good he is ridiculous but that's that's why i felt so disrespected is because everybody's watching me beat ray when i do beat him you know it was it wasn't like it was you know 60 40 or 70 30 me or him it was like 50 50 you know it was really good competition you know we had mutual respect for one another um we would only go with each other one-on-ones at practice so we're talking go ahead sorry oh sorry no you're fine so Rajon Wright, we're talking about uh, one of the top junior college corners for the class of 2020, who has uh, moved on to to Oregon State. So that's some that's some good competition on a on a daily basis. Let me ask you this: all the notoriety, it's not just fans and media that have watched the series. Some pretty big name stars out there in football and beyond. I know Damon Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers has a, a tie to the area there in Oakland and even Laney College uh, in his own right. But maybe the biggest thrill that you've gotten in terms of recognition from some guys who maybe you watch on Sundays or you know uh, people at the next level who have who have maybe taken note of notice of your game here in the last week or two. Dude, it's been crazy. I, I mean, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but. Tariq Cohen and Calvin Ridley both said that I was, <laughs> I mean, dude, when Tariq Cohen followed me and I, obviously I followed him back. Right. And then, um, but I've actually had a multiple, you know, guys who either play in the league or, or are currently there, um, contact me and tell me like, look, dude, you're a dog. Like just keep grinding, keep doing what you're doing. You have the right mindset, keep going. But to just see that was just insane, you know, cause Tariq Cohen, man, he, I mean, it's Tariq Cohen. And then Calvin yeah. Ridley. Dude, it was unreal. I thought I was dreaming. I Pretty good route runner, Calvin Ridley. We've seen him run a few oh, around man. here, you know. He's yeah. Yeah. Not a, na- my bad, my bad. I was just gonna say he's a bad native, yeah. Oh, absolutely. South Florida to to Tuscaloosa. That pipeline's worked pretty well for Alabama here in the last eight or ten years. Um, so let's talk about, you know, we 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 heard you uh you, you mentioned what you're looking at here. Uh, in the in the coming future, hopefully here in the pretty immediate future. But we know that you were initially, I guess, headed to Tusculum, which is kind of in our neck of the woods over here. I've actually been to Greenville, Tennessee. So and I've been to Tusculum College and I've been to the Bay Area. So when I think about those two areas in comparison, <laughs> uh, pretty big difference in culture. I would say, RJ, uh, what, yeah. uh, what, what, what kind of came of that with Tusculum and, and maybe a decision to look elsewhere? Well, a lot of things, man. So first of all, I'm, I'm obviously unbelievably grateful for the, the opportunity they extended me. It was a great offer um, to come out there and, and do some things for, for a team and continue my playing career. So, you know, forever grateful for that opportunity from them. But I realized while I was out there, I was there for the wrong reasons and I felt like I needed to kind of just remove myself. I was out there because, you know, I, just, I was there with my best friend and we were going to be living together and it was just going to be a party. Right. And like the way I think about it is like, that's not what it's about. You know, you're, you're out there to go, to go chase your dreams. You're not out there to go party. You're not out there to go have fun with your best bud and that's all good and stuff. But 
I felt like it was going to take away from my focus and from my drive a little bit. And the atmosphere was just not what I was looking for. I guess when I, when I got out there, I was just, I just didn't feel it at all. If that makes sense. It's just a feeling you get as a football player is like, yeah, this feels right. I feel like I, I can see myself playing here and I could never really see myself suiting up as a pioneer. Um, and it's no, nothing personal. It's just, I felt like I needed to get away from that and go somewhere where I was going to be pushed more and where I was going to feel like I have, um, more, more to gain, more to learn, if that makes sense. And so I decided ultimately like, yeah, I, I should go. I need to get out of here. I need to do what's best for me. And it, it, it's weird because I thought it out well, I think, but I just, the moment we left for Tennessee, I just had this aching in my heart. Like, dude, you're making the wrong move right now. You need to turn your car around and go back home and think this through. You need to wait. You need to, you need to wait a little bit. And obviously I made the right decision because everything that's happened for me, you know, since in this past week is just stuff I've only dreamed of. So is the cow itch, is it safe to say the cow itch is a little tough to satisfy unless you really give it your full go and, and scratching it? Is that, is that kind of where you're at in all this right now, RJ? Well, so what, what do you mean? You mean like, um, is Cal sort of been, has Cal sort of been the dream scenario for you oh, through all this? hundred percent. So yeah. I've actually, ever since I picked up a football, I wanted to play a Cal. That was, that's where I wanted to go. Um, and then when I got to Laney and I realized, look, CJ Anderson went to Laney and played a Cal played in this, played in the NFL, got a Super Bowl ring. You know, he's done great things. Then, you know, a teammate, a former teammate of mine, Marcel Dancy, a great running back for Cal. He moved on over there as a walk-on, earned a scholarship that same semester. And it's just like me and him used to talk all the time like, man, I hope you get into Cal, bro. And he's like, yeah, I hope you do too, man. You know, we would just talk about that a lot. And um, it's just something I've always I've always spoken of and thought would happen for me if I if the right things could fall into place. So, yeah, you're again, hit it on the head, man. Um, I just felt weird not pursuing that more. But I will say, you know, before all this COVID stuff last year, they told me, well, they told Coach Rob that, or, you know, our OC that, look, we have 19 wide receivers. You know, it would just be doing him a disservice if we tried to bring him on. But, you know, and I don't know if it was just that, um, but <clears throat> that's what I was told. And so I let it go for a while and I was okay with it. But, like, still in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, no, like, ha- there ha- there's something about Cal. Like, I feel like this could work. And, you know, even when I was in Tennessee, I was thinking of ways that I could maybe grad transfer or like something happens and I end up back in California. You know what I mean? Sure. And then, you know, the show drops and then all of a sudden I get a follow from Burl Toller, the wide receiver coach there at Cal. And I'm like, whoa, OK. So, you know, might as well take a shot at it. I DM him, you know, tell him what, tell him my situation, tell him that I'm still extremely interested in coming there. And he hits me right back, says, you know, you're a hell of a player. I'll see what I can do for you. And we've been talking since then, you know, he has my transcripts and right now we're, we're working with admissions to hopefully get something going. Um, nothing set in stone. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's been no promises. I've, I'm only speculating that it would be a walk on, um, which would be fine with me. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens, man. But if Cal doesn't work out and they tried to make it happen, I'm okay with it. And, you know, I can move on, but at least, you know, in that, exactly. in that scenario, instead of 
being 40, which is the worst thing and wondering what if, right? That, yes, exactly, man. Like that was, that was a big thing for me is like, I felt like there was so much more that was coming my way that I just was being impatient about. And so that was a big, that was another reason why I left Tennessee. I just felt like I jumped the gun and, um, and just a word of advice for anybody list anybody listening to this, never move anywhere or make a big decision with your best friend. It's just, you're not going to, you're not going to grow. You're not going to do anything crazy, man. You're going to sit around doing the same stuff that you were already doing with them. You need to get away from that. So that's, that's, that's my two cents on that. And so, uh, I think that's great stuff. Yeah. A lot of times comfort does not encourage growth. I think you're, you're right on with that. Well, we love your passion. We love your commitment. We love your confidence, your drive, and we obviously wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Now, tell us how we can keep up with you via your social media, and you know, because this is a story we want to see through to the finish. Okay, yeah, for sure. I, again, I appreciate you having me on and just all the love and support that's been coming my, my way. Um, you, anybody who's interested in following my story, seeing where I'm at, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Flash Gordon. That's spelled F L V S H dot G O R D O N. Flash Gordon. And you know what else? RJ Stern has a profile right there with us at 247sports.com. So I you sure can go do. check that out right now as well. Again, RJ, nothing but the best, my friend. I look forward to following you on this continuing journey and uh, still got some ground to cover. And, uh, sure, man. and we're anxious to see where it takes you. Thanks a lot, RJ. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. There goes RJ Stern, wide receiver, Laney college, fresh from season five of last chance. You that's going to do it for this edition of the Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. We'll talk to you again real soon. <laughs>